Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And we're back. Welcome back. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Where have you been? Uh, I have been to Chicago for Star Wars Celebration. Mm. And I'm excited to talk about it. And That's Star good. Wars in general. Because I'm excited to hear about it. Okay. But before you talk about it, so, so moments, moments before you walked out the door to go to Star Wars Celebration, the <laughs> teaser trailer for Episode Nine hit. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. is that funny? I, I just know what you're going to do. Go ahead. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Do you want me to tell the story? Sure, go for it. Okay. So I came upstairs because I had saw that it hit and I was going to try to catch you before you left. But you were sitting on the couch with a sad face with like the the <laughs> thumbnail of YouTube pulled up on your big TV. And your kids were running around all crazy because everybody <laughs> wants to watch it. And so we're like, all right, well, everybody just finally calm down and sit down because you guys are supposed to leave. And everybody had snacks before you hit the road. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this thing. And then your wife was like, don't drink some milk or something. That we don't, we don't typically has. have food in the dining, in the living room. And neither do we. And yeah. I think this just reiterates that point. Yeah. And so your one son sat down in the chair and it was like, all right, let's press play. And he like spilled this whole thing of like <laughs> yogurt stuff all over his pants. <laughs> like right, a whole container right in his lap. Comedic timing he yeah. had. And so your wife like scooped him up so he didn't drop it and then like gave him a bath. So like all this time, it was like, okay, we're just going to wait for all of the dust and craziness to finally settle. <laughs> We'll continue to wait. It was funny because it had been out for like 45 minutes. And I knew that, but I wanted to watch it with the kids. And we were trying to, you know, pack and stuff and get ready to go. And we had them all outside playing. And so I was like, all right, we're going to get like where we can walk out the door. I'll tell them to come in. We'll watch the trailer and then get in the car and leave. Best laid plans, man. And it would have worked. It would have if it weren't for those darn kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got to see your reaction in real time. Mm -hmm. Tell the people at home your reaction to it, Bob. I, I loved it. That, I lo that feeling yep. is so good. And I don't know why it still gets me. But, but man, I'm just unbelievably excited about... I think it's just because I don't... like Every time there's a new trailer for one of those movies, I don't know what's coming. I don't know where they're going to take it. And just seeing, here's a new thing that I didn't know could exist in a world that I really like. And, you know, it just, I have a lot of memories around it and stuff. And so when I'm presented with, here's a whole new thing that you weren't expecting, it just makes me so happy. And I think the most fun, besides like, yeah, that trailer was awesome. Yeah. Um, but watching it, <clears throat> excuse me, watching it with you, as much of a Star Wars enthusiast as people know you to be, uh, and you're a very mild-mannered very reserved kind of person <laughs> until you get to watch a Star Wars trailer in your in your living room. And that was really fun. I really wish and I regret after the fact that I didn't kind of record it because I wanted to watch it so that other people could see your excitement. <laughs> and when the Emperor's, that, that cackle yeah. at the very end, oh, that was awesome. And when I saw that Death Star, man, oh yeah, that just, I was like, oh no, look, oh what? Because I really did not see that coming. I mean, you know, he's Abram said ahead of time that he was going to connect it back to uh, the prequels, which everybody was trying to figure that out. Obviously, to the prequels? The, yeah, he had said Ooh. that ahead. Everybody was like, what? How's that going to work? And please don't make it awful because you're trying to connect to the prequels. The Emperor was the connection, I assume. So good. And then, man, just, yeah. Seeing the Death Star, like, they are really wrapping something up. That I, I think that's part of why it was exciting. <clears throat> I like the new direction. I like that they're moving on with new characters and all that stuff. But to see them intentionally, like, they're taking the story forward, but also back to wrap things up and to really finish something, that's cool. I like that. It's not just like, hey, we've got a new audience now. Let's just only move forward, or let's only fan service the people who've been with us forever. It's both. That's great. Mm -hmm. Smart. And I think with most things that come to a conclusion, like TV shows, you have to kind of do the callback to the old cast members to kind of yeah. make everything come full circle into resolution. I saw an interesting uh, little interview with Abrams from Celebration and they were asking him like how he chose what to do with this movie. Like, you know, there were so many possibilities. How do you pick how you want to handle the end of 40 years of movies and stuff? And uh, 
I hadn't really thought about this, but he said that you know the movie itself had to be had to be standalone. It has to work as a movie on its own. You can't assume that somebody has seen eight movies before watching this one. That's not fair to the viewer. Yeah, but you also have to wrap up eight movies worth of story and actually conclude all of the characters, and at the same time, set up future. And I hadn't really thought about like how much stuff he had to figure out how to pull off in the same movie. I mean, not only him. There's another guy that wrote with him and stuff, but it's kind of impressive. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it turns out. I think it's going to be awesome. I really liked The Force Awakens. So whatever people think about Abrams' directing style, I really enjoyed it. So I'm definitely looking forward to the new one. And I really like that he's directing this one. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's the continuity. Yeah. Maybe it's you know someone else's vision, and especially being being a Star Wars fan, uh, and I really like what he did with Force Awakens also, and so I don't know how collaborative directors are in a property like that, especially on a trilogy, because I mean you could have a vision, you and the writers, and I'm imagining the writing team would kind of be the same, like they would be all Lucasfilm people, but having that directorial that leadership. Come by and go. I'm I'm gonna carry this thread, or this theme, or these feelings, or that resolution kind of idea throughout the entire trilogy. It's not so disjoined. And they didn't do that. That's the thing. Like I think I I I don't dislike the Last Jedi like some people do. But the one thing that I wish they had done differently was that they had planned out the trilogy before they started making the trilogy. Because I just think that works better. Hmm. Like you have a better. And that's what Lucas did. You know, he had the whole story before he started making the movies. Things change as you make movies, but having stuff that they could carry through would be really cool. But since Abrams set up a bunch of stuff, Ryan Johnson could kind of pick and choose what he wanted to use and carry on and ignore what he wanted. And then now that Abrams is coming back, he has to kind of like work around the decisions of someone else with the things that he started, which is kind of weird. So I think it would have been cooler if they had planned ahead like that. A little bit more, but I mean, also, I don't really know how much they planned ahead. That's just my assumption. I don't know. I'd be very interested because I remember when The Force Awakens came out, they had like the table read with all the characters and the directors and everybody around that. It was a very iconic picture before it came out. Everybody like mm-hmm. a big round kind of table. And, but th- there's no like, oh, you're not going to direct a second one. So maybe we should bring in a whole host of other directors so that we could have one combined kind of creative coalition. There's a lot of C's. I like alliteration. Combined creative coalition yep. of movies. Of cartoonists. Of car- <laughs> Cinematographers. Ooh. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited. Uh, Celebration was super cool. Oh, by the way, I am working on, if you're not watching, I'm working on an R2-D2 model. Look at this little guy. This is one of the Bandai models, and I bought this at Celebration, and I got a pack of, see if I can show the box ah, without hitting my microphone. It's R2-D2 and R5-D4 together in a pack. These Bandai models are awesome, snapped together. Um, And what's interesting about this, I I got off on a tangent here and I don't even remember where I was, but I'm gonna go with it. Uh, What's really interesting about this little guy is that the details are all correct. So they model these R2 after the details? actual things. Yeah. yeah. So every little piece, now that I've been building the full-size R2, I've been trying to figure out like how things are layered and what things are called because every one of these little doodads has a name and has a function and stuff. And you have to figure out how they're attached. And already, by assembling the legs and the ankles, I've been like, oh, oh, well, that's the thing I have to do next. Hmm. It's kind of cool. Like I'm using the model to figure out how to do the full-size thing. So. And that's cool because for reference right now, we've been using my sideshow side collectibles. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the scale, but it's probably about six or seven inches tall. We've been using that as kind of reference whenever we cut out a piece. Yeah. We're like, what the heck is it? And so now it's kind of cool that you can you can build a tinier version yeah. that is so detailed that it should theoretically mimic the yeah. giant one. I that think you it's, have I think it's supposed to. to. I, I mean, I think yours and this one have all the same details, but it is kind of cool. Well, that's good because I don't know how much you paid for that thing, but that Sideshow Collectibles one was about $200. Ooh. Yeah. This and is 25 bucks for two The of these. quality of that one, like, irritates me. Mm. I broke it the moment that it came out of the package. That's not good. It had a lot of stuff that came with it. Um, it had a little Jabba's 
a little drink tray little mm -hmm. thing broke hmm. trying to get it out of the packaging it broke but i mean when you have it in your hand it feels flimsy That's so i mean it's it's cool and it's nice but it's meant to sit on a shelf and not play with yeah yeah. That's not what I'm about. I wanna... Speaking of Ooh. that, so at Celebration, the majority of, there's a bunch of talks on different stages and um, there's different rooms for different like, not meetups, but there's like topics kind of. Okay. Anyway, but we spend most of the time, both times that we've gone, we're 99% of the time in the big expo hall. And it's just rows of vendors. It's almost all people selling stuff. There's a section with the costuming. So there's like the uh, Rebel Legion and the 501st and the Mando Mercs. And they have like booths and then they have these big things with like costumes set up. You can walk by and just look at the costumes. There's obviously people walking around in costume everywhere. But their own costumes or like costumes from like actual... Their costumes. own costumes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and... The majority of that room, though, is booths of people selling stuff. And it was really interesting walking through there with the kids because <clears throat> they wanted, you know, we were going to buy them some toys here and there and stuff and look for things that they wanted. But different kids wanted different things for different reasons. And a lot of time, like my daughter just loves figures and dolls. And so she kind of collects different, especially the women of Star Wars, but all, all sorts of stuff. <clears throat> so she was looking for certain ones that she didn't have and she had her own birthday money and so she bought a bunch of stuff on her own and um but then other the boys were like the younger ones just wanted to buy something to play with uh my oldest wanted certain animals because he wanted the animals not because they were Star Wars animals so he wanted to buy like a dewback but then he was like can I cut off the the handles and the saddle because I want it looks like a dinosaur so mm -hmm. I want a dinosaur and I'm like well let's just buy a dinosaur like right. don't I mean I want you to play with it but don't tear it up intentionally buy it to destroy it but then <clears throat> one of my other boys kept wanting to buy things that were in the package and I'm like well are you going to open it and play with it because if so there's a there's one that's already open right there and it's a quarter of the price mm. <laughs> right you know if if you just want that dude or that ship or whatever it's right there they were everywhere like everything you can imagine in every state of quality and so it's just a matter of finding the one that fits you know what you want but he kept picking up like these vintage like picked up a vintage b-wing which is like 120 bucks or something and he's just like can i this is a cool ship can i get this one and i'm like well <laughs> I, no <laughs> you know not that i don't want you to have it and it's played with for sure but it's real expensive to be played with, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting to kind of talk them through, like unfortunately talking them out of certain things just because I knew they wanted to play with it and that particular one was not, you know, you're devaluing it just right out of the gate. Um, but luckily there were so many different vendors and so many different bins of like everything here is five bucks. And That's so you cool. just go in there and like dig through and find some character that still had a face and... You know, so that was fun, and they ended up getting not not a ton of stuff, but a few things each. Um, they were all in costume for a little while. The costumes kind of disappeared throughout the day. What costumes did they? So my daughter was Leia uh, from A New Hope, so she had the white gown, the buns on, and she got so much attention for it. Hmm. It was awesome. People were like bowing to her as they would walk by. <laughs> And um, some guy walked over and just... So there were people handing out swag. It's like a big thing where, like, you'll make... You'll go and you'll make a bunch of pins with some design on it. And then you just walk around and give them to people. Okay. And then there were these people that had badges that said, like, swag something on them. And you, anytime you saw this yellow thing, you could go up and ask, can I have some swag? And they had backpacks full of stuff. And they would just give it to you. And it was, like, stickers and patches and buttons and... Now, were they sanctioned or they are just, like, well-wishers? I think they were, well, I think it was a combination of both, but okay. I think this was like an official thing on their badge, hmm. but also there were tables, like trading posts, where you could take the stuff that you'd got and walk up to this trading post and lay something down and pick something else up. Oh, that's cool. So as the kids got a bunch of buttons throughout the day, they'd get duplicates that we'd go over to this table and they'd swap it out for something they didn't have. And um, Anyway, so she was Leia, and at one point this guy walked over and kind of bowed to her and handed her a 
pen and walked off and didn't say anything. And she held it up. And she was like, what does this mean? And it said, she'll always be uh, royalty to me. Like mm. That line from yeah. Force Awakens. And so I had to remind her where that was from and stuff. But <clears throat> she had, you know, people talking to her the whole time and wanting to take pictures with her. And just everybody's so cool about all of that stuff there. Like everybody was cool with pictures. Uh, people would shout across the room telling each other how much they liked each other's costumes or whatever. Uh, my youngest had on a Porg costume, which was, he's six, and it was for like a four-year-old, three-year-old. Hmm. So it was way too small, but he really wanted to wear it. So he was wearing a Chewbacca costume, pajamas, with this Porg costume on top of it. As soon as we walked in, this family ran up, and they were like, can we take a picture with the Porg? Like, freaking out. And so they he was fine with it. So they took pictures, and then they said, just so you know, Porgs are the thing that everybody's trying to find this year. They're all the rage. Yeah, that's what people wanted, pictures with Porgs. Hmm. So you're going to get people wanting pictures all the time. And we got several, not not a ton, but... Um, and we saw a few other people's, people with Porg costumes on kids, and so they, you know, got together and took pictures and stuff. It was a lot of fun. It was a yeah, that would be my really question to you, is normally you're a very private person, especially with your kids, like... Was that just a different atmosphere? Yeah, it's just a big... Um, it's it's like a super positive... Like, everybody's there for the same reason. Everybody just enjoys what they're doing there, and they're all there around a property that they enjoy. And I think it's just a way for people to share something that they enjoy together. So it's not even about, like... They want a picture with a character. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. It's not like... Jim, ooh, I want a picture with Jim. It's like, oh, we have the same costume, or oh, I've always liked that costume, that type of thing. So I think it's pretty cool. We went into it with, I told the kids to think of a character that they really wanted to find. So we had kind of a bingo thing. A little scavenger hunt? Yeah, like everybody picked a character or two that they wanted a picture with, and then we just kept an eye out for him. And if we saw him, we stopped whatever we were doing, we left the booth, and we went, you know, to ask if we could get a picture. And we got all of them except a flame trooper from uh, Force Awakens, which is like a big, well, we ended up getting it, but we were about to leave, and that was the one we hadn't gotten, and we were walking out, and this dude walks out with this beautiful, super shiny white flame trooper costume, and he had just taken his helmet off, and he was all sweaty, and like the guy, <laughs> his handler with him was like holding his gun and stuff. And my oldest runs up, and he's like, can I please get a picture? And the guy was like, absolutely. He just put his helmet back on, put, grabbed his gun, you know, oh, like that was nice. totally down. And everybody was like that, so it was really cool. One thing I thought was really funny, uh, on Saturday, it was 60 degrees. We walked from our hotel to the Field Museum, went to the Field Museum, which we should talk about, and walked around by the lake. It was great. Woke up Sunday morning. It's snowing. <laughs> Chicago it's is dumping snow. Man, Chicago. And it snowed from when we woke up to like 7 o'clock that night. And it wasn't quite, it wasn't below freezing, so it didn't really stick in places, but it was just snowing all day. The cool thing about it was we got to Celebration, got out of the car, because we got like an Uber. We got out of the car and had to like run down this pathway through the snow to get to the entrance. And we got to the entrance and there were two snowtroopers standing outside. That's with the flag. awesome. <laughs> And the kids were just like, ah, it's snowing, there's a snow trooper. So we took pictures with them in the snow. It was a blast. We had a good time. I mean, kids are kids, so there was a lot of fighting and a lot of arguing and a lot of whining and all that stuff. But ultimately, Yay. you know, yep. that's the stuff that fades away. The stuff that doesn't fade away is the, the joy and the good time that we had and pictures and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So you forget all the so bad. good that... It's something that means so much to you that besides like it having an impact on your kids as a parent, like how did you have fun? Um, what were you excited to well, see? Well, I mean, honestly, it's cliche to say, but honestly, seeing them excited is really part of the, I mean, like we were saying that about good. sadness good last answer. week, you know, like the sadness, seeing them sad makes me really sad. Mm-hmm. Seeing them happy makes me really happy. Does it make you extra happy? I've noticed that with my kids. Like, seeing my kids happy about something makes, like, not just the situation better. It was like, this is what is worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And that, 
like when you find moments like those as a parent, especially around something that you hold so dear, like mm-hmm. that's got to be super mega happy. Yeah, it that's is. That's good. And it's great. Achieving super mega happiness is always really good. <laughs> Title. Uh, yeah, I think, well, outside of all that, though, outside of the kids, I, I still, as much as I don't want to collect toys and I don't want that to be a thing that I spend money and time on for the rest of my life, you know, because I know it's, it's just not something I need to do. I've always been a toy collector and I still love looking at vintage stuff and just being like, I I have never seen that up close. And I can move on. It's not going to change my life. But, like, cool. I get to see that thing, you know? So seeing prototypes of original Star Wars figures from 1977. Oh, yeah. That would super be cool. I don't know why. But seeing stuff in the package that I've never seen is just cool. Hmm. You know? So I had a good time with that. Seeing the costumes is always great. I got a lot of ideas. Got to walk through the um, droid builders room. Oh, the R2 builders room? Yeah. I, I missed it in Orlando, so this time we made an effort to get to that. And Were there any of the people that we have met in other places? Um, I didn't see any people there. I saw droids from well, I guess some it is people. the droid room, not the people room. Yeah. I did see some droids that I had seen before. I don't know if I'd seen them up close, but I'd seen them on like Instagram and stuff. But it was big, man. Like The droid room was... It was like a... I don't even know what the size of the room was, but it took us a good 30 minutes to walk through it. Wow. Yeah, because it was kind of a winding path through mm-hmm. a big room. <clears throat> tons of actual R2-D2s, but then tons of custom ones. Um, they had a gonky, which was a gonk droid that was painted up and had a Wally head sticking out of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was awesome. They had uh, a bunch of really cool stylized ones that I'd seen before. There's like a this kind of teal art deco R2 that I've seen pictures of hmm. all over the place. And it's beautiful. It's like all shiny and everything. They had a bunch of BB-8s, a couple custom BB-8s. It's funny because a couple of years ago, the idea of a working BB-8 was really hard for anybody to figure out. Yeah. And now that it's been solved, there were like 10 or 12 of them in a row in this room, all functioning as far as I could tell. Um, so that's kind of cool. And they had, let's see... A bunch of the bigger, like, bipedal droids that didn't move, but stuff that I hadn't really seen before, um, you know, just, like, on display, not doing anything. There was a big table in the middle of this with a bunch of junk on it, like, techno junk sitting around, okay. and there were some Jawa statues on it, and there was one of them that was sitting down, and we were walking past this table, and I looked at that Jawa, and I was like, I bet one of those guys is real. <laughs> And so I just kind of waited and let my daughter walk past him. <laughs> to let her test walking. it out. That thing jumped, and she got about six inches off the ground. It was awesome. <laughs> and she started, la- like, she screamed and then started laughing. It was so good. The people in the Jawa costumes are always, like, playing tricks on people and stuff. But uh, what else did I see that was really cool? I got to see one of my friends, Matt, um, that I went to college with. He lives in Chicago, and I hadn't seen him in probably close to 20 years. I guess. Um, and he was there that day, so we got to hang out a little bit. That was really awesome. And what else? Lots of cool art. They have like a whole art section that you can walk through. They had the Lego booth. With, with new Lego stuff. New Lego stuff that I, I tried to buy, and the dude would not sell them to Aww. me. The Tantive for the blockade runner ship. Uh, he was pulling them out of the box, and he had a big stack of them. And I was like, "I want that." He <laughs> said, "I can't sell it to you. They don't. They take won't it be run. <laughs> yeah, I bet I can run faster than you, or at least longer than you." Um, but he said they were going on sale the next day at the, which was the last day, with Monday. It's kind of weird. Um, and I was like, well, "We're not going to be here tomorrow." And he goes, "Well, you'll have to wait till May fourth. That's when they'll be in Lego stores." Mm-hmm. Like, what? So didn't get to that, but I'll get it eventually. So it was good, man. We had a really good time. Um, the Field Museum, though, I wanted to talk about. Have you ever been to that? I have not. So the Field Museum, Field Museum, Natural History, I guess not just Natural History, History Museum in Chicago is staggering. Really? It is unbelievable. And I went to it when I was a kid, and I don't remember any of it. So 
We went mainly because my oldest is really into dinosaurs, and they had Sue, which is the largest, most complete T-Rex ever found. Really? Yeah. Sue? Sue. It was named after the lady who discovered it, Sue yeah. well, Alexander nice. or something like that. And uh, it's... 95% complete, I think, which is really unheard of for dinosaurs because hmm. they just, they can never find that much. That's so cool. Yeah. I like that. The Mustang that he's working yeah, on. Yeah, I'm almost done with the Mustang. Suspension. This thing is awesome. Yeah. Sorry. Sue. Sue. So there's a big dinosaur exhibit. We mainly went to see that, to see the Sue skeleton, which was really, it is kind of terrifying to look at a full-size dinosaur skeleton and just imagine that thing real oh yeah we went to the museum of natural history in dc and they've got mm -hmm. tons of skeletons it's the same thing yeah like you see a triceratops in like a movie <laughs> it's or on like jurassic as as park table. yeah and like dr dr what's his name is like on his belly while it's breathing yeah and i remember the one in dc has like a baby like a little one and then a big one and so you get to see the size comparison mm. and then you try to think like well that's it's not even an elephant. Like, if you could take oh, yeah. an elephant and a hippo and a rhino and just kind of mush them together <laughs> and their masses just increase as you mush them together. Yeah. Like, and that animal eats, allegedly, like, eight plants. Like, how did you survive? Yeah. How did it do that? That's, it's... One thing is interesting. interesting. I heard this while I was there. They were talking about how big some of the insects were in prehistoric times. And the oxygen level in the atmosphere was almost double or something what it is today. Hmm. And so a lot of, at least the insects, could get that big because their bodies had so much oxygen. And then as that percentage dropped, they got smaller and smaller and smaller because their body types just can't sustain. Oh, that was kind of cool. I don't know how that applies to reptiles and stuff, but I had never heard that before. Um, so this place was just insane. When we got there, we went first to the uh, mummies exhibit. Also, oh, it's natural history and history history? Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know like what the actual classification for it is. Uh, it's just the field museum. But they had a mummies exhibit, which was super gross and pretty cool. I'm not a big fan of like grody things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I don't, some people enjoy like seeing yeah dead bodies and mummy stuff but i don't really like that but at the same time it's really fascinating to see a body from thousands and thousands of years ago the, just the fact that it is at all there is crazy look at that cool little exhaust and one of the coolest things about it was that they had these they had a cat scan a ct scan machine in the middle of this big room Mm -hmm. with a mummy laying in it. <clears throat> and then they had these big touch screens that were probably like 50-something-inch touch screens. And you could pinch and scroll and zoom. Pinched a mummy? <laughs> the screen to, like, manipulate the CAT scan of the mummified thing. Oh, so you could see all the cross-sections? Yeah, you could get cross-sections in both directions. You could actually, they had buttons for the clothing, for the skeleton, for the flesh. And you oh, could really? turn those on and off. That's cool. It was crazy. And then there was a giant projection screen above it. So what you were doing, other people behind you could see. Hmm. And so, and you could like spin the model around and look at it from every, and it was super high definition. And that was really awesome. And I was trying to explain to the kids, like, this is unbelievable. Like yeah. you can manipulate something and see inside bones, not not the outside of a bone, like the inside of a bone from something that lived thousands and thousands of years ago. That was pretty awesome. But I also noticed that as we moved through, so we saw the Egyptian thing, the mummy thing. We went to a whole, um, I don't know what they called it, but it was like the progression of human life about like all the different places humans have lived and how the societies have changed so it walked through a bunch of um, South American tribes and how they lived the bunch of like pottery and stuff and then up to Pacific Northwest natives so there was a bunch of you know like uh, fur clothing and big giant uh, not tiki what's the other word totem totem 
statues. Some of them are like 40 feet tall. Mm-hmm. There's this giant room of these oh, huge yeah. statues. But as we moved through time, the number of artifacts they have increases. Right. So, right, so, so when you're right. in the mummies, you have like a few mummies and then a few little pieces of things. And then it gets up to early, you know, 1900s when you're talking about these tribes in the Pacific Northwest. And there's just a, a case of like 50 masks. And then mm. next to it, there's a case of 50 jackets. And then there's 40 of these giant statues. And it was just overwhelming. Yeah. The amount of stuff. And, not to be morbid or sad again, like last week, but walking through all of that stuff, I just got like punched in the gut again about mortality. Mm. It's just like, all of this is dead. Every single thing that I see in this entire building is dead. Yeah. Of course, right? Everything dies. I get that. That's not sad. But it's one of those just like, man, we are specks of dust. This is true. We will pass, and we won't even be important enough to be in a museum at some point. <laughs> but I think that's, if there's some some uplift to that, is that there are people that actually care Yeah. about those things. Yeah. I mean, because as a kid, like, even out, out back in, in your yard, there's little fossils of things. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the rocks or the dirt. And if we were going to be doing a project outside, I'd probably, you know, take an, a pick to it and not care. Mm-hmm. But there are people in the world that want to preserve that and want to show, you know, what it was like back then. Because I, I history tends to repeat itself if you look close enough. Right. And when you don't have the availability to see what someone did, you can't really learn from it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really commend places like that that try to keep that stuff alive. And even though it's like, oh, here's one of 50 masks, like you say, or a lot of museums, it's just some really old thing out of context just looks like some rock or old thing. Yeah. But when no. you have that that uh, ability to stop and kind of understand what it is that they're trying to get across or why that thing is significant. Like we went to the British Museum and the British Museums, uh, besides the British Museum itself, like are really awesome and kind of sad because they tended to take like the coolest parts of any culture that they colonized. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot, of, a lot of really nice pieces that don't belong to England, but they're on display really <laughs> yeah. nicely. Yeah. And I remember one thing in particular. There was um, just this little, was, I don't even, four, four inch by four inch little stone thing uh, that I was happy to see. And it had um, this like writing from Nineveh and it was... There's like little hash marks and little triangles and things that made up this, this language that is escaping me now. But like that was a, a tablet that was the 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 Noah's Flood like account hmm. on this little tablet. Oh, wow. And so things that you think of like, oh, that's in the Bible or that's a story or that's a whatever. And like, well, it was a story to someone else thousands of years ago, just as the same as it's a story to us now. And so I think to try to relate or root yourself in an understanding or in a fact or in the idea that it could have been a fact even to people back then is really reassuring as a human being that you're not alone. Right. That like people cared about their kids. People had to eat. People had to live. People wanted to prosper and they had to do it in a different way because of whatever they had at the time. But like those things are examples of how tenacious people were. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me, like, have that kind of first world problem feelings whenever I go to those museums. Yeah. They're like, oh, my internet is out or my other <laughs> whiny problem. And I'm like, these people lived and thrived and prospered and were happy. Yeah. Uh, I'm imagining, according to the little pictures and the little models in the diorama, look, they look super happy <laughs> with, like, nothing. Yeah. Sticks and stuff. Well, they had these um, kind of dioramas that you could walk through in some of the South American ones. Mm -hmm. And so it was like a little hut that you could walk through and it had the, you know, two rooms separated and then kind of a little alcove that stuck off to one side where there was like their pantry. Hmm. And there was, uh, you know, there was like skins hanging on the walls and there was like a little fire pit right in the middle of the floor of the main room. And it was, I don't know, maybe twice as big as this ping pong table. 
the whole thing. And this is a home yep. for like 15 people. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, good grief. But at the same time, like that still happens in parts of the world. A lot of the world. Absolutely. And yeah. so stuff like that is, is really grounding, I think, to see. It's cool historically. It's awesome to see, to learn a thing about how people lived, but also to get the context. And I was trying to explain this to the kids. There are people that live like this right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a good thing, bad thing, but we have to be aware of what we have relative to the fact that people live in this exact same situation. Exactly. Thousands of years after it was the only way to live. And I think that's a, one of those <laughs> you know? first world things. Is you can look at it in a museum and see like, oh man, those people back when, like we've come so far as a civilization. And they're yeah. like, well, we've come mm-hmm. so far as a society not as a race yeah. of, of creatures on this planet. So, uh, yes. And it, it tends to maybe create a level of disassociation because you think it's like, oh, that person wearing like a linen cloth back when. Like there's people still wearing those linen cloths or those people still wearing... Nothing. The Yeah, or the Super Bowl team that didn't win last year. Like those kind of shirts just because right. some right. missionary group like gave people clothes. But like... When I was deployed, we had people that were living in a mountain, like the sides of mountains of people that their ancestors had carved out. Wow. And so, like, you have that ability to relate because this is the, the house that your grandfather lived in. So you kind of have that. But, I mean, these people were living in cutouts of a mountain that their ancestors had done. That's wild. Yeah. And so the amount of work, it was, as a father, it was really interesting to see it's like, you want to build a legacy? I'm like, those people didn't even have time to build a legacy. They had to build a room. That's right. They were like trying well, to stay away from the animals yeah. that were going to kill them and stuff. Well, I mean, in this case, it was like people that wanted to kill them. So they had to seek refuge in these mountains mm. or living in a, a garbage dump. And it's like, whoa, that's, that's madness. Yeah. And by American standards, and I think unfortunate by just about anybody's standards. But I mean, to see stuff like that in a museum, to, it happens so long ago is only a testament that like it could work anytime. Mm-hmm. Like if all the internet and all the everything went away, if something terrible happened, like, well, those people back when, or the people living in the mountain or that had that museum style living diorama lifestyle, like would it'll be affected. Yeah, that's true. They would be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really, <clears throat> that kind of got me about the whole thing. And I've thought about this before in a different situation is scarcity like history is partially excuse me is partially interesting and recorded because it's so scarce at this point so like uh like when we were talking about going to england and how the people over there like don't even care that their buildings are like 600 years old or whatever mm-hmm. and we're all like well it's a 600 year old building yep and we take care of everything that's 100 years old because it's historic and <clears throat> the way that Artifacts are cared for, which is good. This is not a negative thing. Um, it has a level of importance because each one of those artifacts, it just there's just not many of them. Mm-hmm. We are extremely well documented and like over documented in every form, in every part of our lives. Um, everything that we have is made in excess, is yep. made is you know like mass manufactured, and so it's not like this Lego set. Super cool. There are, I don't know, probably 100,000 of those in the world. Yep. Nobody's going to care about that in 100 years. I mean, certain people will. But, but one in the box. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, this, the scarcity is gone. And so we won't be remembered because we are not probably, generally, interesting enough to be uh, memorialized as scarce and historic. And that's not like a complaint or anything. It was just one of those things that kind of dawned on me. Like, our world now is is so, uh, it's like in t- so in touch with the rest of the world that nobody's, there's nothing we're going to do that no one knows about that will all of a sudden be important in 100 years. Everything is on the table now. Everything <laughs> is documented. Everything is out front. And kind of pointless (laughs) so like whereas the mundane of thousands of years ago is interesting to us because we just don't have a good picture of it we have a great yeah we're so far removed everything is so cluttered that that seems simple or 
um, so bizarre that someone could be so unfortunate to have to live that way when, right. I mean, those are through very privileged goggles to make that kind of assessment. And we had just have such a good picture of current stuff, and that picture is digital. That d- picture won't go away. Mm. And I don't know, it's kind of interesting for, like, archaeology. Like, what will archaeology be in 500 years? Because the stuff that we look at as having archaeological value at this point will be even further from being able to be found. Hmm. But we're not creating new archaeology because everything is so, like, well-documented. and You just got to go to the dump and just do yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, well, modern archaeology, okay, I'm going to loop this back in a geeky way. Okay. The Atari, the E.T. Atari game. Yeah. That was terrible. And so they gathered up all the remaining E.T. unsold E.T. Atari cartridges and threw them in the dump. And a group of really devoted fans figured out where the dump was, took some pictures from the time, and figured out roughly whereabouts in the dump that it was. They hired a crew to go and, like, prospect down into it and to pull up, you know, that time ago plus this many layers of garbage. It should be roughly here. And it did a lot of amazing archaeological investigation Mm -hmm. just to reveal and dig up and distribute uh, in this very cult way these Atari game cartridges. And so I think it's it's where that interest lies, um, which I think leads to like a, the Americanism of it. Like, what is that interesting anymore? And is the interesting are the interesting things physical, tangible things now? To where back when you can go to like an industrial museum, or you could go see like an uh, like an airplane museum, and you can see the way somebody built something a long time ago. So there is a tangible thing you can go and see or a manufacturing process that might be interesting, or the architecture that has stood the test of time, and mm-hmm. things like this. Like, you know, we, we get silly comments on all of our, our home videos from people in Europe. They're like, those American houses are just built with sticks and, sticks and paper. Yep. Like, well, there may be some truth to that, and maybe that's why we're not going to be remembered because there's nothing that's going to be left to remember us. <laughs> True. And I'm not saying that like, oh, boo-hoo, nobody's going to remember us. It's just funny how, yeah, there's no scarcity for modern time, modern things. Or is it, you know, okay, so this car, ooh, here we go. This Mustang model that I just made is a 67 Mustang. There are these cars. They exist. Mm -hmm. Some of them are show quality museum pieces, and some of them are rusted out gross shells (laughs) that are in a barn or in a, a field somewhere. And I think that goes back to your your level of involvement or your level of care or your level of, like, laziness, honestly. So, I mean, when you look at people in England, like, they put the de- – you talk about the buildings, right? So there's a dedication. And even Notre Dame, Notre Dame in Paris mm. was almost completely burned to the ground the other day. And there's – I read an account from a fire inspector or a fire consultant here in the States that was like these – these uh, houses of worship and these old religious buildings are pretty much tinder boxes. And if they weren't houses of worship, they would have been condemned a long time ago. Mm. And so that is a very factual and it only, prov- this building as a building by itself is either dangerous or not up to code or is falling apart or whatever. And But there is a group of people that place a significant amount of importance on it mm. because it is that building. And so I think if you... If, if society or the American culture or whatever it happens to be tends to get away from that sentimentality and the love of the thing for what it either represents or something special that it it brought to the world and they just look at it like, oh, it's a rock or it's some dirt or I would like to get oil on that instead of it being a natural part of the country. Mm-hmm. And they look at it for its very bland existence. Maybe that's why we're not going to have stuff in the future is because the, yeah, yeah. And living in Europe, there there are places, like Anthony asked me the other day, like if he was going to go to Europe, where should he go? And I'm like, go to this place, this region in Switzerland, because it's just beautiful. Like it, the, the landscape, the mountains, all the stuff. Like when I was there, they take a lot of pride in the, you know, the mountains and the, I don't want to say landscape's not the word, but 
I mean, to preserve the country or the area that it is. Maybe it's tourism, maybe it's whatever. But in the United States, we have national parks that we try to preserve what this land looked like so many years ago before people came and built factories and houses and stuff on it. Europe doesn't have a lot of that because it's just so densely populated and it's been densely populated for thousands of years longer right. than the U.S. has. Yeah. And so I think that if, if we can be proud of anything in the States and, well, hopefully, <laughs> is that it may not be like the car or a machine or something that ends up in a museum is that we can appreciate the land hmm. and the diversity of the land and what it all has to offer because I think we get really spoiled in this country that you can drive, you know, ocean to ocean and pass through deserts and mountains and plains and uh, beaches and things yeah. that, you know, other people don't have. Their little dedicated chunk of the world looks or has you know, certain elements that we in the States, you just like, oh, well, that, that's those people over there. I can go over there if I want to and just go see it. It's still part of me as my national right. identity. And so, I mean... What I would hope, rather than like, oh, this is some iPhone museum or... <laughs> An uh, app museum. Yeah, some other oh, you know, dumb thing that we've made now. I mean, yeah, having a few of those to go like, this is what people cared about more than personal interaction. <laughs> this little triangle <laughs> that we can't figure out how to turn on. But you can still go, hopefully, my great-great-grandkids can still go see Yosemite the same way I saw Yosemite. Right. Or can experience that and... Yeah, that's that's the stuff that I, I hope endures past the selfishness of a given time period. Yeah. Because it's very easy to, I mean, as a lobbyist or whoever else make an argument, like, well, we need more room. There's natural resources. There's, there's reasons why we should get rid of this for the future. But those are very short-lived oh, yeah. reasons. Short-sighted. Yeah. Sure. And I think the same way, if you were to take that same group of people and walk through the Fields uh, Museum... And go like, we could sell that mummy. <laughs> or, you know, I could make that mummy into a coffee table. Or if we burned up that dinosaur, then four people's cars could drive 10 miles. Like, that yeah. seems totally worth sacrificing it from forever. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. The, the same thing applies when I mean, we're talking about, like, bigger things. But the same thing applies to all the toys that we saw at, at Star Wars Celebration. It's just funny to think about how... How we put importance on certain things, and different people care different amounts about those things, but uh, everything kind of gets assigned value somewhere, you know? Mm -hmm. And someone who's not a Star Wars fan would walk into that and see literally hundreds and hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, for a small action figure. And be like, that's bananas. Right. I mean, I think that's bananas. But then other people would easily drop that money. Because that thing is just has a different value to them, even though in and of itself it's it's the same as a bone, it's the same as a rock, it's the same as a mask that Ooh. somebody found in a hut in the Pacific Northwest two hundred years ago. You know what I mean? That's a very interesting point. It's all to the make. same. Because I mean the Fields Museum is not the only museum. No. I mean, and you can make a resin cast of, of dinosaur skeletons and things. So, like, to think of most of the skeletons that people would see in their museum that's not the big, massive, huge city museums. Like, those are usually casts of a silicone mold made on an actual one. So, yeah. that the thing you're looking at might not actually be real bone. It could just be plastic painted up. Yeah, so, that's more often than not. Right. Yeah. So, having the skeleton is extremely rare. So one can make that same argument for like the Jawa toy with the actual furry cape mm -hmm. or the ET cartridge. Like none of these exist anymore because someone destroyed it. And so one could, one had, could be educationally or academically far more beneficial than the other. But I mean, I guess that's in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. That it rock is. that had the Noah story on it, like that seemed important to me. Yeah. But someone else could honestly not care about that. Right. And, and so, you know what's kind of funny? A few years ago, probably 15 years ago, I had a shrink-wrapped E.T. Atari cartridge. Shrink-wrapped. In the box? In the box. Ooh. And I opened it up, threw the box away. Mm. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't care about that. Right. I played that game. I know how awful that game is. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Um and I don't really think it was worth any money, but it's funny that other people would go to the length of doing all that stuff you talked about to get to 
essentially the same thing. The same plastic out of the same factory with the same ROM burned onto it. Yep. You know what I mean? And that game was not like the holy grail of games. It It was was thrown away because it was the worst game ever. (laughs) It was purposely put in a landfill. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if we could go back in the the time machine phone booth and go get one of those people from prehistoric times and bring them there. I'm like, tell me about all these spearheads and stuff that I'm that are on display in this museum. And if I could communicate with that guy, he'd be like, why do you have these? These all suck. Yeah. Like, we threw these away. <laughs> we threw these in the dirt because they didn't yeah, work. <laughs> exactly. That's why it's not stuck into the brain of some mastodon is because these are garbage. Why are you guys idolizing these? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was a good time, and it was far more... Uh, I took it far more internally than I had expected to <laughs> to go to a museum. How do you cut yourself? I just pushed on the... Cu- I was like, why is my hand sore? I'm like, oh, it's because I jabbed a utility knife right into my hand yesterday. And I hurt. Yeah, I'm don't, sorry. Don't do that. Thanks, Chaco. <laughs> he provided a Band-Aid with the maker knife. That didn't stay on. It didn't stay on very well. Super glue, boys and girls. Thanks for nothing, Chaco. Ow. All right, well, we got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. We got to go get to work. We do. We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of a lot of work to do. Just so everybody knows, there's a pretty good chance that we will be kind of hit or miss for the next month or so. Mm. I'm traveling a lot. We have a huge amount of work to do to anyway, but I'm also traveling a lot, so that makes it even worse. So we may miss some weeks. We'll be back if we miss. Just hang in there. Um, where can people find you? On Instagram at the PI Workshop and on Twitter at Josh Makes Stuff. And you can find us, all of us, at I Like to Make Stuff on all the stuff. Uh, thanks to also for the encouraging comments we got from last week's show. Absolutely. That was really nice. Um, yeah. Thanks for not making fun of me for crying about my dog. Uh, but thanks for all the kind things. Yeah, that really, I don't know why it caught me off guard, but I guess it was just reassuring. Yeah. That it wasn't some, some like, personal catharsis that I made like I it was really inspiring to hear that two dudes playing with Legos in a basement can really help people yeah and it was interesting too I got a few messages from people who are actually in the middle of loss mm. um, so it was really like pertinent and timely for them and that's amazing like we couldn't have planned that so anyway thanks for the feedback there and we will see everybody next week or hopefully sometime. yeah sometime <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.